You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The bottom of the hour, Sean Reynolds. Sportsnet Jets reporter going to join us, tee up that monster game tonight in Winnipeg. And that's why I'm... I'm sour today. I'm a little bitter. A little tired. A little crabby. A little salt in there. Maybe a little hungry. A little Uh, hungry? Well, that's one thing we can actually solve. um, I wanted tonight to mean so much. Yeah. And that loss last night to the Blackhawks. Taking a lot of luster off tonight's game. Yep. It did. But still relevant. Yeah. No, it is. But (sighs) doesn't. Feel the same. No. It would have been you could have been tied with the Jets heading into tonight in Winnipeg. You could have pulled ahead of said Jets. Could have actually been in a playoff spot after tonight. Yeah. Which we haven't said for months. Even if they win tonight, they're not in a playoff spot because they don't have the tiebreaker. Correct. Um, so we'll talk to Sean Reynolds at seven thirty. The franchise, Eric Francis at eight o'clock. We're also playing impossible flames trivia later on in the show. This has been a hit. People are enjoying this. Yeah, and we got well. We also have a prize attached to it, a wicked sweet prize. Yeah, um, a fifty dollars gift card uh, to our good friends at VK Brew Company and VK Brewing Company swag. Mm, some fresh drip. Yep, perfect. As the kids say. Yeah, we'll play Impossible Flames trivia at eight thirty. Hello, um, fellow kids. <laughs> Flames, Flames lose four um, three last night to the uh, the worst team in hockey at home. <laughs> And uh, if you missed it, uh, heading into the game, here's just some facts that I don't know if you heard on the broadcast. Okay. No, I'm Peter, ready. Peter Morazic started in net for the for the Hawks last night. He hadn't won a game since February 25th. Well, that's over a month. Um, the Hawks had lost eight straight games in regulation. That's the longest regulation losing streak for them in just 34 years. 34, 34 years. Uh, heading into the game last wow. night, the Hawks uh, were the lowest scoring team in the league, averaging just... 2.42 goals per game. And in their last 10 on the road, Chicago 1-8-1 and one, heading into last night. 1-8-1 and one in their last 10 on the road, and they were outscored 38-16. That didn't matter. Nope. Because the Calgary Flames gave them the 4-3 win last night. Big win for Woof. the Hawks. It's one of those games where it was like, well, Max Domi's not there anymore. He's been a big problem for you in this series so far. Didn't matter. Oh, Patrick Kane's not there anymore. That guy's got a lot of skill. He's now in New York. Didn't matter. Jonathan Tay is back from a 27-game absence after going through long COVID effects and dealing with stamina yeah, issues. Yeah, that's serious. Looked outstanding. Yeah, that's serious. The long COVID stuff for an elite athlete like him. Yeah. Because, yeah, it came from an animal. So, um, last night, watching that game against the Calgary Flames and Chicago Blackhawks, I was like, okay, the second period, here we go. Flames dominating, finally taking over a bad team, and then just looked super sloppy in the third period. You lose a game you absolutely had to have. And um, I knew this was coming. I knew our friend, Mel- uh, Melancholy Malcolm, he likes to he likes to make an appearance once in a while on our show. Mm-hmm. And he shot me a text late last night and said, hey, I like to read some uh, Flames fans 
tweets last night after the loss because I like to wallow in their sadness. And I go, that's not very nice, Malcolm, but I'll give you the platform on the show to do so. So um, we had to play it a few weeks ago after that loss to the Kings. Melancholy couldn't wait to get on the show. Yeah, after they allowed the eight burger. Yeah, after they got just hammered in Los Angeles by the Kings. Uh, I think it's time to hear from our friend Melancholy Malcolm today. Let's do it. Everybody does hurt, by the way. Yeah. At Shane Conlon 17 if the hashtag flames make the playoffs, I'll eat my shoes. Okay, Shane, we got that. <laughs> got that written down. At IB Capital, how much does Kadri need to get paid to give a oh. hashtag flames? Harsh, but maybe fair. But maybe fair. Maybe fair. At Matt Franchise 19, a f***ing course we lose to Chicago. Stick a fork in them. They're f***ing done. Not hashtag very, flames. Not very optimistic there. Hashtag though. Hashtag it still. Yep. At Cup Champs 89. Flames fans remember when Kadri was a really good flame? Man, that was a good week. Missed those days. <laughs> hashtag oh. flames. Oh man. That's pretty good. That's pretty oh, good one. Shoot. At Hawk Talkie. If only we didn't lose Jan Proak. We'd be in the playoffs. Oh, hashtag flames. What? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yard croak. Darn! Shoot! At Flames Fever, Sutter says he can see the fatigue in players. Well, f***ing play the kids. Hashtag Flames. <laughs> yeah, we all knew that was coming. Yeah. yeah, Needed one of those in there, right? Yep. At Dubes One Timer, are we eliminated yet? I can't take this <laughs> anymore. Hashtag Flames. <laughs> Get him out of his misery. Yeah, just come on. At K Weber 94, uh, losing to the worst team in the league on an eight game losing skid. Experience, Flames, Hockey, hashtag Flames. Experience, Flames, Hockey. Come and get some. Oh, uh, Malcolm loves to read those tweets. Um, I think that's a nice setup for one. Um, Nazem Kadri's game last night. Yep. And uh, our good friends at Sportsnet Stats, they do great work. Agreed. Or, or Sportsnet Snats, as I called them earlier. Mm, the Snats guys. They do great work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked uh, Sportsnet Stats last night, because watching the eye test of Nazem Kadri this season, I don't think there's any question. He's probably was probably the best Flames player the first 10 games of the season. Would you agree or disagree? Or uh, if not the best, on a short list of the best players on the team. That I would certainly agree with. No problem with, with that statement whatsoever. So uh, here's Kadri's statistics from games 1 to 10 to start the season as a Calgary Flame. Six goals, mm-hmm. 11 points, mm-hmm. 1.1 points per game, had five points on the power play. He was playing 17.38 a night, and he wasn't even on the plus-minus. Yep. And again, plus-minus, whatever, team stat, blah, blah, blah. Since then... Since game 11, Do you up like to... you have to always mention that? Anytime you use plus minus as a reference, you have to, like... 
Yeah, because somebody from a weird website, someone is gonna, some yeah, blogger yeah, yeah. dude, it's like, ugh. I hate the way you have to do that. And then they pretend like they use these stats that may or may not be true or <laughs> may or may not be real. And they'll re- reference like, oh, this website had this. According to Natural Statric, they had this. I'm like, well, who's doing this? Yeah, yeah Who's yeah. doing these numbers? Who are these How people? legitimate is this? Who are they? I don't know if it's legitimate. Are they the IAIs? I don't know. Is this an official stat from the National Hockey League? Oh, no, because they don't care about that kind of stuff because the league is archaic. Okay, here it is, my other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, from game 11 up to including last night from Nazem Kadri. Yes. 17 goals, 43 points, 0.63 points per game, 13 points on the power play. He's playing 29 seconds less a night, and he's a minus 18. Woof. And this from a guy... And believe me, I've watched a lot of Nazem Kadri. His give a bleep meter last night was exceptionally low. Sure. And he's a guy that was looking to get paid. Was a big part of that Avalanche Stanley Cup championship last season. Yep. And I'm I'm a Kadri fan. Sure. I like his intensity. I think he's a big time skilled player. But honestly, Maddie, can you win if Nazem Kadri? is one of your top players. Here's why I know. In Toronto, when he played for the Maple Leafs, when they signed John Tavares, he was insulated on the third line. And at the time, behind Matthews, Tavares, and then Kadri, I said this on the record. I think Nazem Kadri is the best third-line center in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Sure. He goes to the Avalanche, big part of that Stanley Cup championship, but there's no way in H-E double hockey sticks the Avs win the Stanley Cup without McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen, Landeskog, Taves, surrounded by incredible blockbuster superstar NHL All-Star Hall of Fame caliber players. Kadri's a great, great complimentary piece. Mm. So why? And this is the question I want to ask you. Why did it take when NHL free agency was open to everybody? July 13th was the day it was a free-for-all. Sign everybody. Kadri, one of the biggest free agents on the market. Why did it take over a month for him to sign somewhere? Why did no teams want to dish out all that dough to sign Nazem Kadri? Here's why. Because he settled for the Calgary Flames at 7 times 7 Because he ultimately wanted to go play black back for the Avalanche. Right? And again, first 10 games, great Calgary flame. And then what happened? Oh, I don't like the... We're hearing things about the coach. But you just see it on the ice. That same intensity isn't there. It hasn't been there for months. And we try to make excuses. And he's played with everybody on this team to try to find that chemistry. And again, you can tell me this is Sutter's fault. You can point to Tree. But Nazem is a great... Great, great, great second-line center. And you can argue he's a second-line center on this team. But we won't even get into the Elias Lindholm situation. That guy's had a down year. After being on the NHL's top line last year, definitely not that this season. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously has something to do with the two guys he's not playing with anymore. Mm-hmm. But still a very solid two-way player. But is Elias Lindholm a true number one center? I don't know. I would say he's a 1B. He's not on that short list of real number one centers. And that's the problem here, too. He settled to sign in Calgary. He did. 
You think his intention was to sign in Calgary here fresh off of free agency? Well, it probably would have happened by then because I, I exactly, yeah. exactly. No, the big I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think he was waiting for the Colorado Avalanche to see if they would clear space to see if they would decide to change some things up. And instead, they opted to sign guys like Josh Manson and Arturi Lekkinen, who came in and had really big impacts and were younger guys and played roles that they needed. And they thought that they had someone that could come in so, and be a second-line center in Alex Newhook yeah, or JT Comfort. But so, then what does that even say that the Avalanche felt, you know what, we could just kind of run it back and still try and win the Stanley Cup without him too? We can't. And again, this isn't crap on Kadri. It, it is a little bit, but not completely. The Calgary Flames gave you the bag that you were looking for. No other team was giving you the bag. Nobody wanted to sign you for that amount of money. Seven times seven. Mm-hmm. You get it here in Calgary, a team that was super horny for you for years. Yes. And you finally get that money. And what do you do in the most important game of the season last night? You lay a complete and total egg and have some horrendous turnovers that even wouldn't get you played in the American Hockey League. Lazy turnovers last night. And the sulking with the head coach and the disappearing for stretches of games. Like, he has been a big-time disappointment. And I just gave you the numbers. The last, I don't know, 60-some-odd games, he hasn't been that great. Great start as a Calgary Flame. You just need more from a guy from a team who believed in you. Because Mm -hmm. nobody else was giving you that money. Nobody. It was over a month. Since you signed that deal, if somebody wanted you, they would have gave you that money. Except the team here in this city, in this province said, we like you. We want you to play in a Canadian market again. We think you can make a difference after we lost two superstar players in Goudreau and Kachuk. And then that guy gives that type of effort last night in an absolute must-win game. And again, I'm not, this, this doesn't excuse Huberto's play from last night, too. But at least he was more noticeable on the ice. They hit the score sheet. The only time you noticed Kadri last night was when he was making these horrendous turnovers on lazy, boneheaded plays that you can't even get away with in preseason. He did it in the Flames' most important game against an opponent who's the worst in the NHL. And you're paying this guy seven times seven. I cannot hammer that point home any more than I am right now. Nobody wanted this guy at that money. This team did. And then you lay an egg like that? What's the excuse? Is Daryl's fault? Is it Daryl's fault he played like that last night? Because that's all I keep hearing. It's always the coach, Mm. right? If that's Daryl's fault he played like that last night? No. I think at this point, like... This is one of those things where I think there's a serious disconnect between the coach and the players. And at this point, is that reparable? Doesn't matter. Yesterday is one of those things where you have to self-motivate. You have to self-prepare. You yes! doesn't matter. Like I talked about earlier in the week, I don't care if you're playing for your coach. I think right now you have to play for the guys in that locker room. And whether you agree with what Daryl's doing or not, or whatever's going to happen coming next, doesn't matter. But one of the things that you have to do is you have to go in there and you have to perform for your teammates, the people that you've battled with all year long. You think of Chris Tanev returning to this lineup when you know he's not healthy. You see him throwing his hits like he did on Jason Dickinson. I think about a guy like Mackenzie Weger who came over via trade 
who eats a ridiculous block in that last game. Things like that. There's, it's just disappointing when you see that. Like, man, that, that second goal. It's going to be like the, the Connor McDavid overtime winner. Like, that is going to be one of the plays that is etched in a lot of fans' brains if this season ends like this, with the Flames out of a playoff spot by a couple of points. Yeah. That goal in particular, the double turnover, is going to be the one that is seared in people's minds. Like the one that, like the McDavid one, and everyone was pissed at Gaudreau for the rest of the offseason and everybody else. It's the exact same type of thing with that goal yesterday. He just, again, he needs to be better. And if he wants to be viewed, which I'm sure he looks at himself as a frontline, I can carry a franchise type player. He hasn't been that guy for the Calgary Flames in season one outside of the first 10 games, like the numbers I just gave you. And I would say like, yeah, the line mates haven't been as good, but you've had a chance to play with every, almost every winger on this team over the course of the season. It's not like he hasn't been given the opportunity to succeed. It's not like it's been Lucic and Lewis for 75 games all year long. Right. There's no excuses. Yeah. They need more from that guy. Can can he can he tonight score a hat trick and lead them to a win? I just sure he absolutely could. You just need more from that guy. And It'd even be a big redemption game, yeah. Even defensively, this this entire season, he he's he's been a little lax in his own end. Yeah, and that's that's not a secret here. But he's not paid well, to and, be and, that two hundred foot center. And, he's paid to produce, and has he really produced this season? Well, I don't even. <sighs> If he's not a 200-foot center, that's fine. But the way that this team is set up, you don't even get the hardest matchups. That's a Lindholm and Backlund type of thing. Yes. Like, he usually is in a pretty ideal situation when you want to consider those type of matchups and things along those lines. Because they've got two really good centers in Backlund and Lindholm that can play all over the ice, 200 whole feet. No problem. Since game 11 up to including last night, 13 points on the power play, Matty. 13. That's it. Over what? There's like 65 games, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. For a guy you're paying $7 million to be an impact player on your team. Hey, the power play has certainly not been uh, something that it's this team has hung their hat on all season long. Well, and that's been a big problem, part, a big part of it. Like, he's one of those guys that can make a difference on your power play, too. Yeah, In that bumper can. spot. Yep. One of the better guys in the NHL at that kind of bumper spot in the middle of a power play. He had five points in the first 10 games on the power play. Yeah. And he had 13 since. Yeah. That's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. So, so Kadri not happy with that coach. They bring in a new, because we, we don't know, mm-hmm. like we're going to talk to Francis coming up at the top of the hour. And he keeps saying that there, there potentially could be some big changes without saying there could be some big changes coming to the team. So you're, a, a new coach is going to completely flip the script on Kadri and to a lesser extent Huberto here? If you're a Flames fan, I hope so. But Kadri's a guy at this point of his career and the amount of money they've invested in him, he has to be better in those big-time situations. You're a Stanley Cup champion. You're a guy who elevated your game in the postseason. If last night didn't have a playoff feel against one of the bottom feeders who fielded an American Hockey League team roster outside of a Jonathan Taves, who is definitely on the whole 18 of his career and a guy who was a slam dunk Hall of Famer. And it missed 27 straight. Yes. 
you you put forth that effort last night? Like that's the game you play? Like I there's a difference between pressing too much mm-hmm. and making boneheaded plays. He wasn't pressing too much last night. No. He was making lazy boneheaded plays and it's just excusable at this time of year in such a critical spot when this organization has invested so much into you. Yeah, and like, and I'm tired of the excuses. Well, and and when you're like the one thing that rings true for sure is like how are you going to blame Daryl because you know the one thing that Daryl's preaching on that bench is if we all work this group on the other side, we'll beat them. It's not like he's going, "Hey, X's and O's here, drop pass here, this is going to work." He's just saying, "Hey, you got to like if you, if you all work the Chicago Blackhawks, you're going to beat the Chicago Blackhawks." I'm sorry. That team is not very good. They have very little skill. Matty, they're full tank mode. They they didn't want to win that game last night. No. But they're like, hey, might as well. <laughs> might as well just stab in the neck like Joe Pesci in Casino the uh, the, the playoff chances of the Calgary Flames. Who that's doesn't what they like to play night. spoilers? The last place team of the NHL. Like, if you're a guy like Kadri and Huberto and Lindholm, like at least Toffoli brought it last night. He made a lot of great plays. And maybe that's the whole issue with the Calgary Flames. I love Tyler Toffoli. Mm. I love the season Tyler Toffoli has. Career high, great player. You know what the problem is? If Tyler Toffoli's your number one offensive weapon, that's a problem. Well, like that's a problem. It's and a this problem. Is, and this isn't a slight to Tyler Toffoli at all. But if he's your number one offensive player with the rest of this roster, that's right. That's yes. a problem. Why was he such a big component of those Kings Cup championship teams? Because he didn't have to be the guy. Mm-hmm. He was the secondary scoring that was key for those Cup championships. Much like Nazem Kadri, having to be the guy didn't have to be the guy in Denver last year. You need Huberto and Kadri to be better this entire season. You yeah. needed that. If, if they just played even to what? 80% in what they were last season? This team's in the playoffs. For sure. Without a doubt, they're in the postseason. Patrick, I want you to weigh in real quick. Anything yeah. that I've said here, do you disagree with? Not at all. Okay. I think Nazem Kadri, yeah, it's, it's been a giant disappointment for both 91 and 10 this year. We could blame the coach, can blame the fit. It just hasn't worked this year right now, and it's cost the Flames right now sitting uh, technically three points out of a playoff spot with four to play. Are we at the point where now we can say Huberto's had a better season than Kadri? I think he's, he's been, had the last twenty last twenty five. He's been better. Yeah, for sure. I think that Huberto's actually started to he turn has. the corner since he's been put with Backlund and, least, and Coltman. And again, th- th- this isn't an excuse for Huberto mm-hmm. because he's definitely not played up to expectations. But at least he's trying to make plays and create something out there. Kadri's and again, I I hate the body language thing, mm. and I read way too much into body language sometimes. I do too, but. That body language last night for a guy who's supposed to be one of your franchise players. It didn't even feel like he was disappointed there. He was just kind of right. like skated off after the uh, the Jujar Kara goal. Just like no emotion on the face. Just kept skating. And that's, and that's what drives fans nuts. Oh, yeah. It's like they've invested so much to you to be an impact player. Yeah. All right. We'll talk more about Kadri with the franchise coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll tee up this Jets-Flames uh, game in a must-win for Calgary tonight with Sean Reynolds, who covers the Jets for Sportsnet. We'll do that straight ahead. We're also taking your text messages. Tell us how you're feeling about the Flames this morning. Tell us how you're feeling about those Calgary Flames this morning. And uh, at 8.30, we're going to play Impossible Flames Trivia. We'll, we'll take a little break from all the negativity, I guess, 
and have some fun with Impossible Flames trivia. Oh, yeah. And we'll mix in some uh, Flames 4-3 loss to the Blackhawks, which is just incredible to say this morning. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sports at 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. The top of the hour, Eric Francis, the franchise, will join us. Get his take on that wolf. 4-3 loss by the Calgary Flames last night. And we'll also find out what's irking Eric, and we'll get some uh, Taylor Swift deets from Las Vegas. Oh, I love that. I also love Impossible Flames trivia. We'll do that at 8.30. These have been very popular. And impossible. And, uh, your, chance, and your chance to win a prize. Can confirm. I haven't gotten a single one right yet. Uh, and your chance to win a $50 gift card to VK Brewing Company in the VK Brewing Company swag. But joining us on the line right now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, he covers the Jets for Sportsnet. We say good morning to Sean Reynolds. Sean, how are you? I'm doing great. How's everybody? Um, not good, Sean. Not gonna lie. <laughs> not ideal. It's a tough morning here in Calgary. Um, from a Winnipeg perspective, obviously you want to see the Flames lose, and because they want to see the Jets in the playoffs. But just just from a fan's perspective, even if from a new, if somebody was a neutral out there, didn't you want to see the Flames win last night to get just that extra juice into tonight's game in Winnipeg? Well, I can tell you, I'm, I'm hosting the game tonight on Wednesday Night Hockey, and the idea of two teams tied in the standings uh, facing off against each other with the winner of that game putting themselves in a very, very good spot to claim that eighth overall spot. Like, setting the table for that game, which is my job, would have been a lot more interesting had the Flames not uh, decided not to show up for the first uh, ten minutes of that third period yesterday. So, uh so, hey, I'm a journalist. I'm supposed to be neutral. So, yeah, from the neutral person's perspective, the storytelling angles of the Flames having come into this game on what would it have been a five-game winning streak would have been a lot more interesting than what they uh, what they created with that loss last night. Now, in the season series, both teams have a 3-2 to two victory. Um, what have you made of the season series, just the way that the Jets and the Flames match up? Uh, well, it, it's hard to tell because, you know, with, with the first game that we saw from the Flames uh, where they played the Jets 3-2, the, the Flames were really good in that game. And the, the score was kind of flattering for the Jets in that game. And I remember thinking to ourselves at that time, the Flames had, you know, been stumbling. And, and then all of a sudden you saw them play that game and you thought, there it is. There's their identity. That's the team that they've finally woken up, the team that everyone expected in the offseason when Living did such a good job of, you know, losing players and bringing players in. We thought, okay, they've found themselves. Here they go. And that clearly wasn't the case. The next time they played the Jets, it was a little bit more of what we're seeing from, I mean, I watched the game last night. Even within that game, you know, I can't imagine how maddening it is for a Flames fan to watch and see them figure their game out at points of the second period and then just absolutely, you know, show a completely different team at different points in the game. The second game that they played, uh, the Jets did kind of hang on a little bit because if I remember correctly, they were buried in injuries at that time. Mm -hmm. But that time was clearly a game in which the Calgary Flames um, weren't able to capitalize on the Jets team that was down a number of good players 
coming into this game, I am, I'm going to say this, and maybe I'll be entirely wrong. I do not like the Flames' chances because the, the way that the Jets have played teams coming off the back end of back-to-backs all of a sudden in their last two games, they at least have found an identity and a style of place who play in a way that they can jump on a tired opponent because Detroit came in two games ago on the back end of back-to-backs and the Jets lit them up and did it right off the bat. And they did the same thing a couple nights later to the uh, New Jersey Devils. So the, the Jets seem to have figured out an urgency. They seem mm-hmm. to have figured out a game plan, uh, a, an identity, which has been missing for the back half of this season. And they definitely seem to be following a game plan that when a team comes strolling in tired, and like the Calgary Flames should be frustrated and maybe downtrodden, they know how to beat down on teams that don't walk in with their best. The big story around the Jets for me is Connor Hellebuck. He leads the NHL with 60 starts ahead of today. He's made nine straight. And you look at the numbers for David Riddick, like when in his recent starts has not gone well for him as well. What are you looking for in Connor Hellebuck's game? Are you starting to see a little bit of fatigue? It looked like that way, but then he really picked it up over the weekend here. Well, and what I see in those two games, this is another one of those ones. I'm a real big proponent of, you know, if there's a game and a goaltender makes 30 saves and it's a 4 nothing, 5 nothing shutout, um, I, I'm a big proponent that sometimes that goalie, depending on how the game went, shouldn't be the first star of the game. I know it's almost an automatic, uh, but in the last two losses, um, or sorry, wins for the Winnipeg Jets, Connor Hellbuck didn't need to be spectacular. Sure, there was a number of shots that were thrown on net, but the Jets' defensive system right now is working extremely well, and Connor Hellebuck has faced a lot of shots floated in from the perimeter as of late. Um, th- this is beneficial because we, we talk about you know, David Riddick and his last number of starts. Connor Hellebuck had gone on a stretch here where he was not winning very many games, uh, and all of a sudden he wins a couple. Now, he's got the capability of stealing games. That wasn't what we saw these last two games. He's got the capability of holding teams in games. That's what we saw from him over a number of those games that the Jets ended up losing just because their offense couldn't get going. But it's not just the offense going right now for the Winnipeg Jets. Their defensive system is extremely smothering. They attack really well in the neutral zone, which can just leave players, you know, opposition teams frustrated because they can't even get in the zone and get set up. That's what we've been seeing. So the thing about this is I do think that Connor Hellebuck was getting tired down the stretch, and I do think that they're basically going to ride him down the stretch unless they clinch a playoff spot and, uh, you know, a couple games early, and Calgary falls apart down the stretch here. Um, but that, allowing him to face these floated-in shots is just confidence builders, and it's exactly what he could use going into the playoffs here if that's the direction the Jets are going. Sean Reynolds, Jets reporter for Sportsnet, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Ruskin Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sean, how do Jets fans feel about Pierre-Luc Dubois? Um, I'm going to say that the Winnipeg Jets fans deserve mountains of credit when it comes to how they've handled the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. You think about other markets in which it has been leaked or come out that a player does not want to be in that market anymore, and those players usually become a pariah. You know, people are booing them when they touch the puck. People have, you know, don't have a lot of nice to say about them. 
the Winnipeg Jets, and maybe this is the market, right? Because when you're talking about markets that players typically don't want to play in, Winnipeg is going to be very near, if not at the top of that list. So maybe you have to handle it differently as a fan when you hear things like that, because you're always going to have on a Winnipeg Jets roster a couple players on that roster that if they could go somewhere else, they would. Um, but Jets fans haven't handled this in a way that they've made an enemy out of Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, they've very much kept him close to their heart, uh, even though there's probably a little bit of a sadness to that, knowing that that player, who sometimes just looks capable of entirely changing games, knowing that that player wants to go elsewhere and is very likely to go elsewhere, uh, Jets fans have handled this as good as any franchise I've seen before handling a player that has made it somewhat clear, at least behind the scenes, that they don't want to be here. Now, like, the the Winnipeg Jets and the Flames can go through some, maybe similar issues being Canadian teams, you know, it's colder, taxes, all that type of stuff, where it's harder to get free agents and that type of thing. Do you think the fans are almost thinking, like, hey, maybe if we treat him, like, really nice, maybe he'll change his mind and stick around because it's not always easy to get really strong players like a Dubois up here in Winnipeg? Oh, yeah, I've always thought that. And yeah. listen, the, in Winnipeg, there are more conditions to do that. Here's the reason why. When, <laughs> when the Winnipeg Jets came back from, from Atlanta, when the team returned, there was always this sense of, okay, you better get, get your tickets. You better go out. Hey, listen, I can't make my car payments this month. Well, let the car go and keep the tickets because if we don't keep packing the barn, you have to worry about the team leaving. The, hey, listen, the, the Jets have have throughout points of this season played absolutely terribly on some nights and it's been a lack of effort thing. And there's a debate in, in, in the fan base on whether or not you should boo them because people are afraid to boo them and show displeasure towards a team that they're just happy that they have NHL hockey here. That mindset exists. So what you are talking about is exactly right. It's like, you know what? If we kill Pierre-Luc Dubois with kindness, maybe just maybe he'll change his mind. I don't see that happening. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily like that, you know, kowtowing to, to someone in that situation. But I do think that the Winnipeg Jets realize, I mean, Evander Kane for, what was it? He came out in the first number of years he was with the Jets, came out afterwards and said, I've been asking for a trade every single year that I've been there. The Jets fans, have to get used to the idea that there's players who are going to be here. And a lot of times it's the top end players that don't want to be here. If you can't find a way to coexist with them, you're not going to find a way to have a lot of star players on your team. One of the comments, comments, one of the comments from Rick bonus lately was uh, if they think they're emptying the tank, they're kidding themselves, something along those lines. And it was one of the several times that he talked about, he kind of called out the effort from his team and especially the top guys. Did it just take like four or five times of him doing this for it to finally kick in? Or was there a change somewhere that you've seen that that is actually starting to come to fruition for bonus? Oh, okay. So you asked a very interesting question because I'm about to go in in a little while to do the pregame meeting with the coach before the game. And this was the very question I was going to ask because Rick bonus had handled this Jets team, which is coming up a very different coaching style under Paul Maurice, where Paul Maurice would never out his team in any way in the media. They could go out and lay the biggest egg you've ever seen and play the most obviously putrid game you could imagine. And Paul Maurice would find a way to tell you how much he liked that game. 
It was just constantly, let's positive, positive, positive. Rick Bonus came in and very bluntly would call a spade a spade and say the effort wasn't there. Connor Hellebuck stole that game for us. This player is not going. And the Jets responded to it really well. But once they started hitting adversity, um, that wasn't going over too well because Paul Maurice had coddled this Jets roster for a lot of years. Um, and they got used to that. And, and I think a lot of the issues that the Jets have been going through through this last half of the year is a coach who, who throughout his career has challenged players and found that, you know, hockey players for the most part are men who rise to the challenge. And there was a number of times this year, as you pointed out, that Rick Bonus went out and challenged his players and they, were, they went in the opposite direction. They tuned out and, and it just seemed to get worse and worse and worse. And you would see a couple of times he'd come out and he'd change his tune and then he'd start coddling the players a little. Like I think he realized at some point that this Jets team wasn't like most of the other teams that he'd coached in that you challenge them and they step up to the challenge. Sometimes he'd challenge them and they'd wilt. And so it was very interesting, the, the point that you bring up, because this last time it almost felt like it was a last-ditch effort with the Jets having lost to the San Jose Sharks for the second time this season. Uh, the Sharks had only won two games in 16 games. Both were against the Jets. Um, they were in last place at the time, and all of a sudden it looked like it could be, if not possible, almost probable that Calgary would catch them at that time, mm -hmm. and it almost seemed like a last-ditch effort. You know what? I'm going to try and challenge them one last time, and it seems to have worked because after he called out his players and said if they think they're all giving their best, they're dreaming, they've responded with these last two games in which they've outscored their opponents 12-3, to and now all of a sudden with that third-period egg that Calgary laid last night, it's looking like it'll be very tough for the Calgary Flames to pass the Jets, even if they're able to win tonight. And once again, I don't like their chances. Um, Sean, being around the team like you are with the Jets, how awkward was Blake Wheeler being stripped of the sea in Winnipeg? Um, well, I, I had a sit-down interview with him at the beginning of the year, a one-on-one. -on -one, uh, and, you know, you have to ask those questions. Otherwise, you're not doing your job. And so I was expecting an extremely uncomfortable interview. Blake Wheeler is an extremely smart guy. Um, he, he can really speak really well. So in the end, I think he handled that situation with as much grace as dig and dignity as you possibly could. That said, it was the right move. It needed to happen. Um, there's an edginess to Blake Wheeler and kind of a, you know, a dark storm clouds collecting kind of manner to him that seemed to weigh on this team in hard times over the last number of years. And let's be honest, the Winnipeg Jets looked like they were assuming the crown as one of the best teams in the NHL in 2018. And every year since then, their results have gone down. So under the tenure of Blake Wheeler's captaincy, things have trended in the wrong direction for some time now. It was the right move to make. Um, credit Rick Bonus for making that move. I mean, it was the first thing he did. He basically made phone calls to all the players on the Winnipeg Jets in the offseason, got off the phone with all of them, and said, well, i got to strip the seat uh, off of our captain. That was his first business when he came to Winnipeg. And the Jets came out flying uh, at the beginning of the year, and we all know what the first half of their season looked like. Um, so however he did it, he handled it as well as you could have possibly hoped. So a situation that 
I'm sure, was awkward within the room. It was awkward in the media. As awkward as it was, it wasn't anywhere near as awkward as a situation like that could have been or probably should have been. Sean Reynolds, um, Jets reporter for Sportsnet. Sean, uh, it's a national game tonight. We should add a little more juice in it, but uh, mm-hmm. say la vie. Um, still yeah. big, still big, still big, but not as big. Um, enjoy the game tonight, and uh, hopefully things get super interesting in tonight's game. You bet. Uh, thanks for having me, gentlemen. There he is, Sean uh, Reynolds, uh, covers the Jets for Sportsnet on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Um, just a quick breather here from the Calgary Flames. <sighs> because we've been all over him like a dirty shirt this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, the first slash best major of the golf season tees off tomorrow. Bullet better believe it. At Augusta National. Mm-hmm. We got a pool up for the Masters. We do. Um, can you retweet out the link? I can do that right now if you want yeah, me to. And yeah, and then uh, sure. Alex and Patrick, if you guys can retweet it using uh, the fan account. Um, big, juicy... Prize to have from our good friends at Calgary Lock and Safe. A prize valued at $550 from our friends at Calgary Lock and Safe. It's easy. You just go fill out the pool. It's free to enter. You got to pick a few golfers here or there. The website does it for us. And if you win, you win a $550 prize pack from our good friends at Calgary Lock and Safe. It's that easy. You get a safe. You can put all your valuables in it. All of your uh, your documents and and your jewelry, like Joe Biden should have been and, using and your that. important, yeah, well, yeah. I guess you can put very well. I don't know. You I know, think, I, I I don't get political. On this I don't show. think you should have taken those documents home to start. But yeah, you know, whatever. Separate of yeah, whatever. Separate of that. Like if you want to just put, leave like, it in the Corvette you know in the garage. If you want to put fine. like your house deed in there, yeah, or like you know your pink slips for your car, but you kind of need a copy in case like you, you get pulled over. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that you could put in the safe. Um, if you have a uh, probably not a firearm, you need special safes for firearms. I don't know. I don't own a firearm. That's not my cup of tea. But you could maybe put like a big bag of money in there. Yep. If you had a big bag of money, you could put that in there. Maybe you had some treasure. Maybe you got treasure for some reason. Sure. Maybe you're like a, a relative of a pirate. Yeah. So you you've got some doubloons and some All rare right. emeralds. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you because I'm just you. gonna I read was, the stuff on. I was panicking. no, I, I just let you out there to sink or swim. <laughs> I didn't throw you the donut yet from I, the I, ship. I felt like Rose on the on the and you door. were and you were just flopping help, around. Help. Um. Uh, it's the annual Sportsnet 960 Masters Pool. Uh, visit sportsnet.ca slash 960 to sign up or uh, check out Matty Rose at Matt Rose YYC on Just the old Twitter. It. Yep. Um, it's free to enter and somebody's going to win a green color designer safe made by Uscan and a rechargeable golf range finder. As I mentioned, prizes valued over 550 bucks, courtesy of our friends at Calgary Lock and Safe. Secure your summer fun with Calgary Lock and Safe's keyed alike padlocks for your patio lock up your heaters barbecues furniture more with just one key visit their showroom today it's easy go to go to the link fill out your pool sheet have a fun name something involving alex brody yeah sure there's a couple good ones in here and all of a sudden boom you're in the master's pool like you and i are in it we can't we're not going to win we can't win it we just want to see how we do I uh, I didn't do a whole lot of like my technical prep for this particular one. I just basically so you're making excuses. I picked my favorites. I picked the guys. I, my team is based on 
vibes. Okay, so you have Patrick Reed. No. Um, uh-uh. Phil Mickelson. No, that's not. No, these Brooks are not. Kepka. These are not the vibe you sure? that I'm not going DJ for. Dustin Johnson. No, no. Sandy Lyle. No, uh-uh. Okay. Do yourself uh, Brooks, a favor. VJ Singh. Brooks is yeah. Brooks is on my team. You like VJ? I like VJ it? this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what they say? Can first say, team timeout of the entire thing is always. Oh, can I say that when VJ Singh won the Masters and he made that one putt and he put his hand to his chest, he's like, oh, oh my god, I hated it. Oh, oh my god, why did you hate it? I don't know. I just didn't like when VJ because he was a. And you know why I don't like VJ Singh? Why? Because years ago at a Skins game in Niagara Falls. Oh. He was a jerk to everybody. <laughs> so I'm like, F VJ Singh. Screw VJ. Yeah. Couple buddies worked it. They go, the guy was the biggest Richard ever. And I'm like, F VJ Singh. All right. So yeah. I never vote for him. All right. Fair I enough. I hope he didn't enjoy his champion's dinner. <laughs> Suck on that, <laughs> VJ. Choke on your Scotty burgers yeah. or whatever. Go back to beautiful Fiji. <laughs> VJ. Fiji. Take that. Yeah, you got him. Show yeah. him. He's uh, playing with Mike Weir tomorrow, 6 a.m. The first season. Old boys up early. Weirzy. Wayne Gretzky gave him that nickname. Weirzy. Hey, Weirzy. <laughs> wow. <Thanks>. Really. <laughs> yeah, so it's Splitting the Masters the tomorrow. with that. Yeah, great job. Um, 550 bucks. Curtis, you are friends of Calgary Lock and Save. Do it. Go Do visit it. the Fill out the pool sheet. You have till when? Like really early this morning before they tee it off. It's at actually. Augusta National. Yeah, it's. Uh, 6 a.m. tomorrow. It's 6 a.m. It's at. As Mike Weir, of our show. as Mike Weir tees it off, yeah, do it. Closed. It's free to enter. Costs you nothing. And there's only like 135 people in here. Like you yeah. have great odds. Get in. Get in. Do Get a little in research. Right now. Read a book. Yeah. Look um, at some numbers. Watch a little highlight video. Sure is. Maybe work on your own swing and then fill out the roster. Um, lots to do in the eight o'clock hour. The franchise will join us straight ahead. Uh-huh. We'll play impossible flames trivia, and we'll also read some of your text messages. Looking forward to it. Uh, we'll do all of that next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose sports at nine sixty. the fan.